politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. Yes, and welcome back, fellow conservative and independent patriots to the one and only independent conservative talk show here, the Conservative Review podcast on this fine Monday morning, September 16th, to kick off another wonderful week here at Conservative Review, powered by Blaze Media. And yes, there is no soap opera. We serve you the meat and the steak that you're looking for, not just the sugar high that you're going to hear on other programs. Now, to begin off, to begin this week, you're going to hear a lot of discussion about literally a soap opera with the Kavanaugh allegations, which will never end because the Democrats are doing it for a very specific reason. And, you know, look, both sides find ways to make a soap opera out of things that don't even have any element of soap opera to them. So certainly this is going to become a circus. And if we do have time, I want to get back to this. this is not mainly what I want to talk about. But I just want to say, I believe my colleagues are missing the point on this entire issue. They don't realize that while the, they think the left is digging their grave um, in, in just radically going after unsubstantiated claims and how it hurt them last time, and they're doubling down on it. They might be right about that, but what they're missing is that the left is doing this for a slightly different reason than they think. And on that account, they're actually being very successful. They're not trying to literally impeach and remove Ju Justice Kavanaugh. What they're trying to do is influence the votes, the jurisprudence, so to speak, of both Kavanaugh and Roberts. See, the more they do this, the more the court comes into contention. And the more Roberts has to show, oh, no, no, it's not political. So he's going to vote even more and more with the left. And a lot of you have sent me emails saying, look, you know, if, if someone did this to me and accused me of doing this, I would go out of my way to Stick it to them. That might be the way you would operate, but that's not the way Kavanaugh operates. We spoke about this a couple of times during the grand finale of last uh, Supreme Court session, which ended in June. And we noted that Kavanaugh was being very, very cautious and really was not doing what many people hoped to get out of him. And I'm just telling you, in my view, the more they do this, the more he's going to move to the left on us. Now, this is just part of the general problem that all of us are missing the point. We think, oh, my gosh, we have a conservative Supreme Court. The left is assaulting it. We need to defend it. And really, we should jujitsu their attacks on the court and say, hey, look, you're the ones who made the courts God. Let's shake on it and, and make the courts not God, because I have some very solid proof I have from my Friday a very long essay on why Roberts is about to screw us even more because it came out that he flipped his vote on the census. And what that demonstrates is that the more they push back on the court, the more the conservative court's going to be a liberal court. So why don't we just agree with them to end judicial supremacy? But nonetheless, that's the stupidity of the so-called right in America politically. But one thing I do want to point out to set the table for the main discussion today 
And that is, notice that this is the one issue ever that fully unites the right. All the right-leaning commentators, libertarian ones, traditional conservative ones, fake conservative, click conservative, um, grifter, cable news uh, pimp, uh, as well as elected Republicans uh, in Congress, Republicans in the administration, they're all united and they all agree to defend Kavanaugh rigorously. And you see, it really does bear fruit. You know, when you all get together, you get on the playing field with a united sense of purpose, it does bear fruit. And we saw this certainly last fall with the successful fight to defend Kavanaugh. Now, as always, Republicans will fall on their sword for someone who's not even conservative and he's screwing us on many opinions. You're only going to hear that here. I'm not saying that it's right what they're doing to him and that it shouldn't be defended. But what I'm telling you is that on some level, you see when you actually have a movement, it bears fruit. And that's what I want to get to today. We're holding here in the middle of September, two weeks before a budget deadline. This budget bill in a sane world would serve as an impetus for Republicans, conservatives to unite, the president to kick off his campaign by harnessing this budget bill and demonstrating to the American people what it is it we feel strongly about. Taking the big issues in the news, the border, immigration, Iran, energy independence. This all ties in now with Iran's belligerence. I'm going to have a very important column on this coming out today. America's oil miracle and how it's protecting us from Iran's belligerence. And you're not seeing a, a collapse in, in you know, an energy uh, or an energy crisis, a spiking of energy prices because of our energy independence that we've largely achieved without the media taking notice of it. But the left is harming it. We would harness this budget bill to tell the American people, here is what we feel strongly about. And I believe that if the president would give speech after speech and every day stay on message, stay disciplined and say, we have a budget bill now. Look, if we are going to spend ourselves into oblivion, which we're doing, the Democrats got everything they wanted on this bill. Well, we didn't craft the bill yet, but the budget caps. We're going to be bankrupt forever. So at least if we're going to spend money on that, let's spend money to be a sovereign nation and for border security. Let's spend money to fight the cartels, the gangs, the drug peddlers, and many other national security threats, as well as preventing thousands upon thousands of national security threats from entering our country. It's that simple. That's what we need to do. Previously deported rapists and murderers every day they come in. But the American people don't know about this. And then the need to defund sanctuary cities. The rallying cry needs to be, let's fund border security and let's not fund lawless sanctuary cities that harbor other countries, murderers and rapists and drunk drivers, drug peddlers, you name it. Let's talk about what's going on at the border first. And this is what the president needs to needs to really discuss, because this is this issue is getting worse. A lot of people think that because the numbers are finally coming down, because finally, after 15 to 18 months of us yelping about the fact that all you need to do is 
just simply enforce current law and say you are not valid asylees because you could have claimed asylum in another country. Frankly, we should have just said we have the ability to suspend all immigration, which we should have done. That's it. That's all needed to be done. And you see, within a week, the Supreme Court agreed with us. Done. Why don't we do this 18 months ago? Everyone thinks all the problem's over with. But as we've always said, there's two issues. There's mass migration, and then there's the cartels. The fact that they have operational security control over our border, on our side of the border, 70 miles into the border, conducting operations, and it's not just drugs. They're bringing in endless numbers of bad people, and you better believe that means terrorists as well, but certainly the endless numbers of criminal aliens we talk about every day. See, if the president and the administration and Republicans in Congress every day would talk about all the cases we see in our communities, what's the common denominator? Jose yada yada arrested for rape and murder. Um, he was previously deported at such and such date. And he came back into the country at some later date that we don't know. So the story is two parts. And this is the synergy the symbiotic relationship of interior enforcement and border security. We need to ensure that we're capturing at least every criminal alien in this country. But then even when we do, so first of all, we don't because of the sanctuary stages, which we need to defund. But then the second half of it is they come back. Now, I would argue if we wouldn't have the magnets in the sanctuaries, it could be a lot of them wouldn't come back. But nonetheless, you need border security to ensure they don't come back. And this is what we're missing. The cartel control the, the qualitative problem of the criminal aliens coming back is just as bad as it was at the border three months ago. I mean, you could say we had you know, more resources tied down dealing with the family unit, so it was somewhat worse, but, but essentially it's the same problem. And my concern is that Trump is gonna let this issue go. Now that he doesn't feel compelled to deal with it because of the large, large numbers, He's going to let it go and not use this as an opportunity to designate the cartels as terrorists, to aggressively, more aggressively deploy our military, and to push for a funding fight for a border wall and explain to the American people, this is why we need a border wall. See, we noted when we focused more on the mass numbers of bogus asylees of, of Central American families, that the main issue there wasn't the border wall. It was the policies. We noted if you get rid of the policies, it will stop. If you don't, even if you build a wall, our agents felt compelled due to our policies to go behind the wall and bring them in, right? Remember that a few months ago, we were the first to report on that earlier this year. But now that the numbers have somewhat decreased, the bigger issue, really what you do need a wall for is those who don't want to meet an agent, those who are gang members, those who have criminal records, those who have arrest warrants in Mexico and in, in, in America, prior convictions in America, those people, certainly the drug smugglers, they don't want to meet an agent. That is where a border wall will serve as a force multiplier. That's where a border wall is so, so vital. And I think this case has not been presented effectively to the American people. It's been more used in terms of, oh, keeping out run-of-the-mill illegals, which I think we need to do but again, it's not even so dependent on a border wall. Now, I just first want to, before we talk about the status update of what's going on at the border, I just first want to frame our soft bigotry of low expectations. Everyone's like, oh, we solved the border issue. Let's move on. First of all, the numbers are still 50, 60,000 a month. Now, it might go down even more this month. We'll see. 
That's unacceptable. Trump got it down to 13, 15,000 a month in his first few years. We have lost control of that. Now, there needs to be a reckoning why these policies weren't implemented when we called for them, you know, just two years ago. It, there, there's one thing you want to say the florist fix. You could say that's because it took them a while to build these new facilities that they felt the courts would play ball with. Okay, so that took some time. But in terms of just merely saying, uh, you're not real asylees because you could have declared in a third party country. Nothing. Nothing changed the last couple of months that 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 could have and should have been done a long time ago. So, you know, there needs to be a reckoning for that. Look, I'm thankful they're finally doing it. But, you know, I, I don't want to hear Daniel. Be happy. Don't criticize the administration. No. That is we are we are still not up to par where we were when Trump won the presidency, when we promised to fix legal immigration, and then we went backwards and had the worst flow of illegal immigration ever, and now we're halfway towards ending that, and we're like, oh, our work here is done. No, your work here is not done. Over the weekend, we had a shooting. A border agent was shot at. Again, no one's going to talk about this, but just underscoring the dangerous nature of, of their work so this was in Brackettville, Texas. Now, Brackettville is not even right at the border. It's a little bit into the border. It's along Highway 2 in the Del Rio sector, known smuggling corridor, dangerous area. And Border Patrol, working with a Kenny County deputy, uh, pulled a car over. And guess what? Guess what? The, there was a woman driving. The man in the passenger uh, seat took out a, I don't know if it was a rifle or a gun. It didn't really say in the CBP press release. And shot at one of the agents. Now, another agent returned fire, killed the guy, and then apprehended the female driver. Thank, thank God for the bulletproof vest. I'm, I'm hearing it's the bulletproof vest that saved the guy. So he just had some um, bounce back and uh, shrapnel uh, injury, injuries. And, and he'll be fine. But, you know, the fact that smugglers feel that they could just shoot at us, that, that, that's a big problem, well into our border. Now, before I just go on just talking about the dangers of the border and what's going on and the case Trump needs to make, it's important to recognize that these two individuals that were doing the smuggling, guess what? They were U.S. citizens. Now, when I say U.S. citizens, I doubt their names were, you know, Paul Witherspoon and John Smith. I mean, they're the same demographic as the illegal immigrants. I don't and, and I highly doubt that they came here the way everyone else did. They're likely the many people either they were anchor babies last generation or finagled themselves into status. What I'm trying to say is that this is the problem we've been talking about in the in South Texas where there is a cross-border, cross-cultural insurgency, where the cartels have gotten so many of their members to be citizens living here that it's created a, a whole broader problem. So this is even beyond the border wall. But the case Trump needs to be, make is I need more funding for the military and the border wall to keep out the biggest harms to America. If we're going to fund Every stupid, wasteful program under the sun, you better believe the most important job of the federal government is going to be funded. 
because they have not funded border security. The funding has gone for the humanitarian, for the care for the legal aliens. It has not gone towards the security aspect of deterring and keeping out the cartels. Carla Provost, the Border Patrol chief, put out over the weekend that so far this year they have caught um, 4,010 criminal aliens with prior criminal convictions and 3,842 additional criminal aliens with outstanding wants or warrants. That's almost 8,000 people that they caught. This is not the universe of criminal elements. That's going to be a lot more. These are people with priors that have tried to come back in. Now, ask yourself this question. You might think, okay, well, we're catching everyone. No. Think about this. Let's say the Border Patrol interdiction rate of criminal aliens was 95%. Only 5% got through. Do you think the cartels would be able to run a functioning market charging you know, $10,000 a pop for these guys to be smuggled in? I mean, say what you want, but their business model is very logical, and it seems to work. Clearly, we're not catching a lot. You know, Breitbart's uh, John Binder put out an article last week um, from this group, the Princeton Policy Advisors. I don't know their methodology, but just to bring out the point that they, they said there are likely 600,000 illegal aliens successfully entering the country this year. That doesn't include the hundreds of thousands that surrendered to the agents in broad daylight and we just released them into our country and all the hundreds of thousands that haven't been deported right these are the ones that we never even saw ask yourself this how is it that with all the technology we have and everything we do overseas that could identify every last thing that moves over this mountain in afghanistan how come we do not have a full military operation to deter this. Why, where is the national discussion? Trump needs to bring this all back to the border. Hey, buddy, do you know why all these people are here? They get back in. Guess what? This is not even the asylum issue. Meaning you could even be a liberal on a, you know, I think anyone who comes and, you know, five million people could declare asylum and, and, and it could be bogus, but we should let them in. Even if that's your view, it should not preclude you from supporting the deployment of the military and a border wall to at least keep out the criminal elements that don't want to meet an agent. You could always come to a port of entry and present yourself if you're, if you're asylum, even if we have a wall. The wall is going to keep out these people. This should be a hundred zero issue if presented properly, even if you're generally a liberal on immigration. This is keeping out the worst human beings alive coming over the border. I noted last week, I told you from the Intel unit, this is not public, but I made it public. I got from my border agent sources the uh, RGV Intel unit for CBP said that it was last Monday they issued an alert. They said there's rip crews operating in La, La Rosita, Texas, and they are arming themselves to fight each other. Rip crews are cartel on cartel violence. And rather than saying, and therefore we're going to bring in our special unit, Bortac, we're going to call in the military, 
No, it was a defensive posture. Please identify yourself, wear your uniform, make sure, just, just tell them who you are so they're not gonna harm you. This is not our operatives operating precariously deep into Mexico. This is on our soil, this is in Texas. Folks, I want you to see here on the screen a map of La Rosita, Texas. I want you to see it. And notice how, the, notice the river bends. Notice how the river bends all over the place. That's exactly where you need a border wall to keep those people out. The president should make a PowerPoint presentation giving a televised speech from the Oval Office doing this, and the American people would easily understand. See, in Arizona, it's, it, there's more, it's more straight, and it's a big desert buffer between Mexican border and, and, and the American population. Not to say we should cede the ranch lands, but I'm just saying it, it's even worse in Texas where you have bends in the river and then you have streets. You could see on the Google map streets and populations on the Texas side going right up to that river with all the bends. It is so vulnerable. That's why the cartels control it. Look at Los Ebenos. Right here, here's a picture of um, Los Ebenos, a little bit, that's a little bit to the east um, in, the, in the Rio Grande Valley. Look at all the squigglies around that area and look at the population centers. Look at H Highway 83, um, where they could just literally within a couple minutes get over and be on the highways. That's the vulnerabilities. That's the drug crisis. We're talking about this week. There's new news and uh, settlements and opioid law lawsuits. Give me a break. 90% of the problem is not the pharmaceuticals. It's the drug cartels from Mexico. It's illegal immigration. It's the lack of a border wall. It's a lack of the military confronting these people at the border. This is the nexus of crime. It's drugs. Previously deported rapists and murderers. All the transnational cartels and gangs that are fueling the violence in Chicago. This is the issue. This is the issue, folks. This is everything. And then, then the president needs to say, this is what we need a border wall. This is what we need a budget fight right here, right now, to confront all of this. Fund national security and do not fund sanctuary cities. Do you want more Central American child rapists, murderers, drugs, gangs, and cartels coming into our border, controlling a 70-mile area into our country, and then indirectly getting all their stuff into all 50 states? This is the case that no Republican has effectively given over, much less really even the president or his staff or his cabinet. I challenge Republicans to give over this message and then come back to me about bleeding uh, suburban voters. You know, my mother recently had a get together with uh, old friends in New Jersey, you know, big blue state. And all these suburban people are there and they're all like, oh, Trump's a ter terrible, terrible this, terrible that. The typical garbage, you know, because they, they heard that, uh, you know, she was, so someone announced that her son is a big conservative guy, whatever, has a, has a talk show. And my mother started going down the list and saying, hey, you know, let's, do you know that this is coming in the country? Do you know what sanctuary cities are doing? Do you understand that in our state, in Montgomery County, Maryland, we had all these child rapists in Montgomery County? And they were like, wow. They, they're like, yeah, you're right. 
See, right now, the wall has been too associated with Trump's personality. But the minute you make it about these issues, sane people do not, I mean, even liberals, but, you know, you could reason with them. They, they agree with us. Yeah, yeah, what are Republicans doing? What are Republicans doing? No, the opposite. This is from The Hill over the weekend. Congress set to ignore Trump's wall request and stopgap measure. Look at the imbalance between the two parties and their convictions. Lawmakers are preparing to ignore President Trump's request to loosen restrictions on border wall funding as part of a short-term spending deal. The ask included in the Trump administration's 21-page wish list for a continuing resolution comes amid renewed uh, tensions over the border ahead of September, the September 30th deadline to avoid another government shutdown. Congressional Republicans have stressed that they support the CR funding request, which would let the administration use money to build border barriers outside the Rio Grande Valley sector, but now they're sending early warning signals that they don't expect the CR to include language granting the White House request. Quote, this is from Senator John Thune, the number two uh, Senate Republican. Actually, number number three Senate Republican. They got it wrong here. Um, he's the he's a conference chair. Hopefully they can work out a deal where there's maximum flexibility for the president when it comes to money for the wall. But I'm sure the Democrats will push back hard against that. Senator John Cornyn, he's the number two guy. He warned that, quote, the administration asked for it, but the Democrats don't have to give it. Asked if Republicans would get Democrats to go along with including the administration's request in a CR, Senator, Senator Shelley Moore Capito, rhino from West Virginia, of all states, who oversees the Appropriations Subcommittee for the Department of Homeland Security Funding, added with a laugh, <laughs> I doubt it. The House is expected to vote on a short-term spending bill next week that would extend government funding through November 21st. Um, they obviously said they're going to oppose any wall funding. Senate Republicans have not said if they will introduce their own CR before the end of the month. And again, you know, Senator Shelby, he's the chairman of the Appropriation Committee, the full committee, from Alabama. This is what we have from there. The president's got a lot of power, expressed and implied, and the court seemed to be trying his way. But then he said, you got a Democrat House. The equation is different. Let me tell you something. First of all, the equation isn't different because for the first two years of Trump, the Democrats didn't have the House. Guess who had the House? Republicans. Guess who had the Senate? Republicans. Guess who had the White House? Republicans. And they still said the same thing. Well, we don't have 60 votes in the Senate, so the Democrats oppose it. The last time I checked, the Democrats don't have the Senate and the White House. What is it? Oh, the Democrats control it. Listen to the tenor of everything they said, the common denominator is what? It's all in the Democrats' hand. We, we would like for it to happen, but there's nothing we can do. But they control the Senate the same way the House is going to vote on their budget priorities this week. Why shouldn't the Senate force a vote on, on so-called Republican priorities? This is the imbalance of power. And where's the president making this, these speeches, making these demands, saying, I'm going to veto a bill. Look. You Democrats got what you wanted on the spending levels. If we're going to spend so much money, at least spend it on the one thing that I want, which we should all want, which is bedrock border security. It's not even about asylum policy. Because again, 
either you agree that you need to do it through asylum or not. If you agree you do, we'll bring them in even even with a wall. They'll come to a port, uh, a port of entry. It's all about security. This is just so, so frustrating. I mean, I, that Hill article is so telling. We don't have any leadership. Oh, you know, the Democrats, they might not do it. Look, they, they don't have to agree. John Cornyn says, look, they're, they're not going to agree to this. Where's the where's the passion? You SOBs, you better agree to it. You're going to bring in rapists and cartels and murderers and drug traffickers. Another 70,000 people killed run ads against them in suburban America about all their kids being killed from the drugs. Where's the passion? I, I don't get it. It's not that hard. Fund border security and don't fund sanctuary lawless criminal cities that harbor criminal aliens. It's that simple. I just don't know what, what more to say here. Especially if we're going to fund every other stupid program and go, uh, you know, one one point five trillion in annual deficits and 23 trillion in debt. It's that simple. It's so stupid what we're doing. But yet there's no passion. But that's where we are on the border. This is the message the president needs every day. Highlight more criminal alien cases being stopped at the border. Being caught on our interior and say, look, look how many are getting in that we don't see. This is why we need the wall. This is why we need the military. And again, the president could also help push this debate accentuate the focus on the cartels and build his case by using a power he does have a to deploy the military he's eventually going to need more funding for that but he could deploy them more aggressively on his own and b designate the cartels as terrorists that's a power he already has i i can't be more pro-trump than trump himself is but then again we're not pro anyone we're pro the right policies man is this frustrating the thing is, it's frustrating because often, as I say on this show, the more categorical approach, the more definitive, stronger position is often the easier one to sell to the public. And, and that's the thing. They're, they're partially doing some of what we said on the immigration side, not doing anything on the cartel security side. And then I'll just note one more thing. I don't want to get too deep into this because I want to move over to Iran. But um, there is a growing trend. Watch for this. The next shoe to drop is Mexicans coming to declare asylum. Remember, the story of the last few years has been it's all been Central America. Migration from Mexico is down. But now with the cartel so violent... There's signs of Mexican migration taking up, and that's going to be tough because they'll say, look, you know, the, the left is already kind of doing this. They'll never talk about the cartels, their danger to America on American soil, but somehow they're a danger on Mexican soil just enough to have illegal immigration. I love it. I love it. But but they're going to do that, and, and it's going to work. And, you can't, and the thing is, with Mexico, you can't say... Um, to Mexicans, you could have declared in another country because America is the first country over. That only helps the Central Americans, which is why, you know, I've again, we needed a 212F shutoff, which the president could have done, which would have applied to Mexicans as well. But moreover, this is why the cartels need to be dealt with. Their power needs to be weakened. Um, 
because the more we empower them here, enabling their end product, uh, the more they're going to start. They're gonna, they're going to start coming. Um, so we're going to have that problem as well. And by not solving the cartel problem in the long run, you're not going to solve the mass migration problem either. Moving on to, you know, speaking of winning messages, winning messages that if you explain it properly to the American people, it sits at the nexus of the most important things they care about, and that's Iran. Nothing about this should be political. Nothing about this should be ideological. We should all agree that we are at a point where thanks to our energy independence, we are about to crush Iran, and Iran is in their last gasps, their death gasps, the mullahs at least, and we could be this close to getting them kicked out without this costly Saddam Hussein type of invasion and owning a dumpster fire like we talked about with Dan Steiner, the good Colonel uh, Air Force Commander, retired Air Force Commander on Friday, Except that now is just the very, the most dangerous time is when you're about to kill the snake. It's their final acts of desperation, and the mullahs are getting very dangerous. And now's the time when we at least need a united, definitive front on the right. And again, this shouldn't be even a right issue. Everyone should agree on this issue. Um, so, you know, since we got off Friday's show shortly after uh, with uh, Dan Steiner, it was announced that Iran likely was responsible, and we know they are, for lobbing about 10 cruise missiles, destroying a good part of Saudi Arabia's largest oil processing facility. <clears throat> and in addition, there's news out today that they seized yet another vessel in, in the Straits of Hormuz. And again, this is something that cannot be allowed to go on. So we're going we're gonna to develop more and more throughout the week what, what needs to be done with Iran. But this is a critical time when the president needs to hear from conservatives. Notice the president has taken a more aggressive tone. He said today, hey, it's fake news, the media reporting that I was willing to sit down with Rouhani. Well, his own secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, said that blatantly last week. So I would venture to say it's true <laughs> that he was willing to do it. But, you know, Levin and some others really pushed back against it, and he, he cares. So that's just, as always, an important lesson that the president does care about what conservatives think. I think before we talk about just strategically what to do, what not to do in the region, which, again, we're going to talk about more in the coming days, what I'm focusing on today, and I'm going to have an article out with some good charts, is America's oil miracle that has not been discussed in the media enough. Frankly, I don't think it's been touted enough by Trump. He does tout it, but I think he needs to be more aggressive on it. And how the Democrats are blocking that. And how this issue, you know, we talk about force multiplying issues, border security, illegal immigration, because that sits at the nexus of crime and culture and drugs and gangs, right? Fiscal cost. Energy independence sits at the nexus of national security, amazing diplomatic statecraft and, and, and diplomatic tools against Iran, 
obviously economic prosperity at home and consumer empowerment because look you know energy is the lifeblood of an economy that's going to determine the pricing for any product not just you know gasoline and and home heating and things like that so what it, what is truly amazing and and it really is shocking how republicans aren't more aggressive just messaging this and and how the media is just so derelict on this issue if you turn the clock back just a decade ago and certainly 15 years ago the notion of and, and the goal desiderandum of energy independence was like a, a flying unicorn it was an elusive improbability at, at best if not an impossibility here we are 2019 we're we're we are energy independent and in fact we have now become the energy superpower of the entire world that is an exporter and now is is neutralizing the harm from russia and china with their petro tyranny if you want to call it that um we are crushing them we are crushing them I want to start off just just by noting just a question immediately when this facility was attacked the media was like oh there's gonna be devastation oil is gonna surge and the iranians have been doing this throughout and oil hasn't surged the the state department clowns and it's time trump sidelined the state department and listened to the commanders in the field militarily on what we need to do not with a costly invasion but with air and naval assets to deter them stop listening to the state department you you all remember this as clearly as as it was like yesterday last year when trump pulled out of the iran deal in may they were like you don't understand you slap sanctions on them oil productivity from iran is going to go down so the prices are going to spike and they'll they'll get belligerent and that's going to make prices spike <laughs> Prices have been at near record lows. I mean, when I say record, I mean over the last 10, 15 years, they, they've been really very low. Um, and they haven't gone up. And And Barclays is out with a prediction today that they really, you know, this attack might not affect that at all. And if it does, it'll be a short-term slight blip in the in the price of oil. Certainly not the economic devastation that we would have seen just 10 years ago from something like this why the answer is because thanks to god's blessing and our harnessing of shell fracking um energy uh oil productivity and exports we are killing it so um earlier this year earlier this year basically we broke all records where we are now plateauing so far at about 12.5 billion a million barrels per day of oil do you know that that's a 40 percent increase since trump took office this needs to be in all of his speeches and ads since january 2017 oil production total crude oil production barrels per day has increased 40 percent now you you uh could produce it but you need the capacity to refine it and process it well we're keeping up with that we hit 18.8 million barrels per day refining um capability 
and that is that is you know plateauing at a record. Now, in addition to achieving nearly energy independence on our own, you know, imports are plummeting. We don't need imports. We are now dominating the global market. We're dominating the global market. Our exporting capacity have, has increased threefold since Trump took office. Then there's the natural gas revolution. Forget about the, um, you know, uh, oil, natural gas. Natural gas production has increased 24% since Trump took office. That was already rising for a while. It's hovering around 2.74 trillion cubic feet per month. Already in 2011, we surpassed Russia as the lead producer of natural gas. And, and now we're flooding the European market. We're tripling our exports to Europe. That's a big deal because that, that takes everyone off the hook of uh, Iran and Russia's, uh, you know, Extortion. According to the EIA, Energy Information Administration predicts that U.S. liquefied natural gas exports will increase 72% at the end of this year over last year's impressive showing. When you combine um, oil, crude oil production with total other liquids, just all the liquid production of uh, liquid fuels, U.S. production is slated to hit 20.73 million barrels per day in quarter four of this year. That is 67% more than Saudi Arabia's output and 83% more than Russia's output. Just seven years ago, both those countries were producing more than us. Now we're on our way to doubling their, their productivity. This is this has given us the leverage to have our cake and eat it too, to have maximum pressure on Iran and not affect the market. Just as of last April, right before Trump reinstated the sanctions and pulled out of the Iran deal, Iran was producing 2.5 million barrels per day or exporting. Now, thanks to the sanctions, it's down to 200,000, according to the Wall Street Journal. <clears throat> Meanwhile, our expor exports are at a record 3.16 million barrels per day. In other words, our exports are nearly 16 times that of Iran. Remember, if you turn the clock back just a couple of years ago, when Obama was forging the Iran deal, the tables were flipped. They had about 16 times more oil exports than we did. Just a few years, we flipped the tables on them. Again, no one's touting this good news. Because of that, oil, oil prices, and the thing is, what we've allowed, allowed uh, ourselves to do is keep the oil prices low. So even the few barrels that they get to produce and export, it's at a lower cost, choking their economy, impoverishing them, Inflation is up 37.2%, while their GDP is going to contract this year by 6%. We're, we're at the cusp of crushing them. Yet Democrats, the first thing they did when they came back from the house, from, from a six-week-long pathetic recess, they vote on a series of bills to lock up drilling everywhere. Now, luckily, they don't have control of the Senate to do that, so it didn't become law, but... As I've noted, the courts are doing this left and right, locking up um, 
oil drilling and 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 continuing moratoriums on on leasing and permitting uh, that Obama made up lawlessly often in many cases continuing it this needs to be hung around the necks of the democrats do you love iran do you hate energy independence or is it a mixture of both that's the question the president needs to ask of democrats but this is the key keep ramping up oil and natural gas production exploration drilling and exports refining and and that's the way to crush them and then yes we do need a military component but in a smart way the way colonel dan was talking about um to deter them because part of part of the problem is a lot of people believe that some of the resources for the attack came from iraq the shiite militias working for iran I've noted before that while I agree with Bolton broadly on Iran, he actually heard his own case because many of these people that supported the Iraq war and continue to support Iraq as an ally, and we need to save them from the Sunni insurgency and ISIS. We have soldiers there protecting the Shiite militias that are empowering Iran to attack the Persian Gulf and Saudi Arabia and the oil supply. And then we don't, we won't, act more aggressively because we're scared of our assets. Well, our assets in Iraq are only there because the State Department is continuing this stupid facade and DOD that Iraq is an ally. No, treat Iraq as an enemy. It's time to write that off that has long since failed. We failed in that war. Let them deal with the Sunni insurgency, which will weaken them. And then we'll use those. Re I would redeploy the resources from Iraq to the Persian Gulf. Heck, I'd redeploy it to Saudi Arabia. Again, this is not a matter of protecting Saudi Arabia. I don't care about the Saudis. This is protecting our own interests, the global oil market, commerce and shipping, and everything else they're going to do. This is when we need to have maximum deterrent militarily while we maximize sanctions and maximize our own oil production. I want you to send today's show a message, both on Iran, energy independence, border sanctuary cities, to your friends who don't like Trump and ask them if we had a president that would consistently focus on this disciplined message, get rid of all the personal attacks and things like that, would you vote for such a movement? Well, that is the independent conservative movement we need to create. We're gonna be developing these stories and many others throughout the week. Send me what you wanna be covered, what you want me to cover throughout the week. Comments, concerns, questions at dharowitz at blazemedia.com. That is the email. At RM Conservatives is the Twitter feed and conservative review YouTube page is where you need to go to like our videos and subscribe to our channel so we can disseminate the only true independent conservative truth far and wide. God bless y'all.